that will basically do it. Uh, another season in the books, even though we still have potentially two games left. Uh, our last podcast of in-season games will cover who wins the NBA Finals. Uh, obviously, the Olympics, off-season draft, free agency, all of that. Kind of another shorter off-season, not as short as last off-season. Um, I know free agency starts like in two weeks, two weeks from yesterday, draft coming up. Uh, we'll cover it all. Uh, we're excited um, about the future of this podcast. We have a lot that we're trying to work on right now with this podcast and trying to expand. I know we keep saying that, but we're actually really, really close. Um, I think we're waiting until the off season um, to kind of open up what we want to do and uh, make sure we're doing it the right way. Uh, more content for you guys. Jake has been awesome on the uh, TikTok. I know he's going to give you the ads in a second. I'm working better on Instagram, or I'm trying to at least. I've had a lot going on. Uh, where can they find all of that on? Uh, where can they find our ads on social media, Jake? Hey, you guys can check us out uh, on Instagram at underscore on the league underscore or take or excuse me, Twitter, which I'm kind of semi active on. I know Ryan's taking a hold of the the Instagram for for the time being right now, but Twitter uh, at underscore ATL podcast underscore. And then the newest installment, which I've been really active on uh, posting every day. And if you guys want to hear more of an unedited version of myself, then you go on there. Uh, it's at ATL podcast on TikTok. So check us out on our social medias. Uh, and then, of course, um, as far as our podcast goes, uh, all three streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Pods and the Anchor app. So make sure to tune in to us weekly. Uh, you guys don't want to miss out on future episodes because it's about to get really uh, dramatic when it comes to this uh, this offseason talk. There's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of trade talks there's a lot of uh draft news and you guys uh want to be on board for that stuff for sure peace out peace on october whatever it is let's just say october 20th um when the nba season opens up even though we don't know an exact date yet dame Lillard will be on the he will be on the blazers but I would monitor the situation because I think he gets traded within the season. Uh, and I think that, once again, I could see him being on, I don't know, as far as like the the Heat situation goes, I don't know if they can put together, as much as I would love to see him on the Heat, I don't know if they can put together an interesting package relative to the other teams that we see with Golden State, New Orleans. Um, like, I don't even know, like, I'm not really interested by the Knicks either. Um, that would be nice, too, but I don't, the package there, I, I just don't really know. Uh, I would say the Sixers, I would say the Sixers have a relatively good shot. Um, and so I, I either see one of four teams, Sixers, and then the other three teams I mentioned before, Nuggets, Pelicans uh, and the Warriors. Um, I know the Warriors would be a little bit of an interesting fit there with Steph, but I mean, if you have a, the the chance to acquire Damian Lillard, you go do it. I don't give a shit what the what the fit is. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I think. Um, I would say that once again, I see him on being on the team, but um, I think by the deadline, I would really monitor that because I think he's gone. 
Yeah, I'm going to go. Damian Lillard will be on the Philadelphia 76ers opening night. Um, that's just right now. I think that somehow they entice, you know, they Ben Simmons, uh, even though he's his stock is low right now. They add in some other pieces. Um, maybe get a, I think a third team will have to do in any trade that Damian Lillard is in. Um, picks, whatever it is. Uh, right now, I'm going to say the Sixers. My answer will probably change that 25 more times. Yeah, uh, they... They say that they want to trade him, and this is just what I've heard from various people, to an Eastern Conference team, um, just because it's kind of, it would be kind of weird to be facing the Warriors on that West Coast and having yeah, I mean, to face Dame and stuff. Yeah, you, you don't want to face Dame too many times a year, and especially if you yeah. trade him away, he'll he'll want to get put on a show in Portland. Yeah, and then the Pelicans Nuggets are the same situation, so maybe we're right. Um, maybe the Sixers are a team that he goes to so yeah um that'll basically do it real quick i know the uh, we don't really i'm just going to mention it the washington wizards hired a new head coach west unsell jr who coincidentally his father was an all-time legend for um the uh washington wizards back in the day and then the other coaching hire was the pelicans and the pelicans hired um, Willie green Willie Green, uh, so uh, from the Phoenix Suns, assistant coach. I'm not that confident in just calling it quits on the USA team this year winning the gold medal. But what I would say is that the teams that are in our pool, we're going to have to get through. And that's that's questionable given uh, the circumstances of – and you really don't know what, what COVID calls for uh, even – Nowadays, where we're a year and a half into this thing, uh, you really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, Tokyo seems to be a, a lot more stricter when it comes to, and, and it's the Olympics too, so uh, it makes sense. But um, again, I, I would say that we have to go through France, Iran, and Czech Republic. So those are our first three games until the quarterfinals start up and uh, we get into the, the games that really, really count. Um, and so what I would say is that you look across the, uh, what's the word I want to say? You look across the, uh, I guess the uh, assembly of, yeah, the field, that's, that's a great word. So the field of Olympic teams, and there's, there's some teams that jump out of you as like for France, for example, like we all know Rudy Gobert is that defensive an- anchor. Like that's an impact player. You throw him in there and he immediately impacts your defense and impacts the defensive players on that on that French team. You look at even Slovenia with Luka Doncic, the fact that uh, the gravity that he pr- possesses and how he can get other teammates involved. So there's impact players on other international teams along with uh, the traditional just ball movement, heavy um, togetherness that these teams play with, like you saw in Nigeria, they have nine NBA players on their team. That's nothing to play around with. I don't care if they're two-way guys, if they're uh, up-and-coming rookies, if they're super young players. They have nine NBA players on that team, and they were shooting the lights out on the USA national team when they played them in their first game uh, in the exhibition matches. So there's a lot of teams that can play together. There's also teams where it's there's impact guys. So there's there's a combination of 
both those types of teams, and I think it's enough to disrupt uh, the USA's team, uh, USA team's uh, journey to gold. Yeah, I, I I have to agree. Like in my previous point, um, we'll do a lot more Olympic coverage as uh, obviously with off season happening. Because um, like like we previously said, this is our last episode of the season. Technically, the NBA season with no matter what happens in Game Six or Seven, we won't have an episode up before then. Um, I think we may might even get a, a guest or two for the Olympics um, to talk Olympic basketball and and get a little more knowledge on these. Um, international teams and some players that we might not even know that might be uh, big time for, for these international teams and play big time roles. I want to move on now to a continuing story. Damian Lillard and his rumors, it seems like they started heating back up again, uh, saying that Dame was going to request a trade in the coming days. Team USA practice in his media session, he kind of refuted that, but at the same time when asked where he will be playing next season, he kind of gave a he doesn't know answer, which kind of contradicts his, hey, I'm not requesting a trade. Um, it's been reported today, actually, the Heat, Knicks, Sixers, and get ready for this one, the Sacramento Kings are the most aggressive in pursuing Damian Lillard. Where where does Dame end up? Um, I don't know. This just seems like, like he, I know I normally let you go first. I'm going to kind of make a quick point here. I don't think he's ever going to go to the front office and say, hey, get me out of here. Um, I think it'll kind of be a mutual thing um, where they'll say, hey, you know, you know what, we'll just we'll we'll let you go and he'll give the, a name of a team and that's what they'll trade him to. Um, I don't think no disrespect to Sacramento Kings fans or the Kings. I don't know if I, I don't get your hopes up, guys. I don't think he's coming there. Um, one, because no one wants to go to the city of Sacramento Two. I don't know what you guys have to trade him. Uh, if you trade your team, Damian Lillard is in a worse position than he was with the Trailblazers. So no disrespect, but Heat, Knicks, Sixers, um, I bet there's some other teams out there that aren't being reported yet. Uh, where do you see all of this? Yeah, uh, as far as this Damian Lillard stuff, NBA Twitter has really been on one these pa- this past week because... There's really been, I mean, there's some stuff to talk about. There's the finals, but the finals games have been separated by three days. So uh, they've really been wilding out. And there's been a couple reporters that really got on this Dame train in the past. Uh, well, there's been rumors, of course, but really uh, pursued uh, these Damian Lillard rumors heavy the past couple days uh, and over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, it's. Again, Damian Lillard, as you said, came out and said that uh, he denied those reports. But at the same time, there is a lot of leverage um, in terms of uh, him leaving the Portland Trailblazers because the more you think about it, the more you just say to yourself, the timeline that Damian Lillard is on right now, he just had a birthday uh, and he turned 31, I think. Maybe 30. I think he turned 30. Whatever. Um, But again, I think that you look at the timeline in which he has on this Portland Trailblazers roster, and that's really what it is, the roster. There's not much you can do uh, when they've really tried to address the defense, bring in Robert Covington, uh, and they've tried uh, the wing game for a very long time, trying to bring in different wings to 
spice it up a little bit. Um, they've had the injury history with Nurkic uh, at their five, so the center position's been up and down. Uh, and even when they have them, it's like, eh, I mean, is that enough? And then CJ McCollum, is that enough? Like, again, I just think that a change of scenery is probably what needs to happen for Damian Lillard because he is a franchise guy and he deserves a shot at a championship. Like he just does. Uh, and they even brought in a coach in which I wouldn't say it was against Damian Lillard, but also he wanted Jason Kidd. So not doing that uh, kind of swerved him in the wrong direction. Uh, and so I see a lot of interesting packages out there for Damian Lillard. Uh, you mentioned teams like the Heat, Knicks, Sixers. I'm going to take it a different route and look at two other teams that I've mentioned and, and brought up in the past. And I'm going to say the New Orleans Pelicans, who just got a new coaching hire in Willie Green, and the Golden State Warriors that have arguably one of the most intriguing packages that you can offer, given that they have two of lottery picks, not even first-round picks, lottery picks in this year's draft, uh, along with James Wiseman, along with Andrew Wiggins. So I think that's really interesting um, for James Wiseman, who, again, is on a team in which him and Damian Lillard could flip-flop right now, and you would say that makes sense because uh, James Wiseman needs some development, uh, and I don't think the the Golden State Warriors are a team that is really um, – is really having that right now in terms of a development team. They aren't that. Um, and they're going to get back uh, key cornerstones to their franchise this next season when, in Clay Thompson. And so I would say uh, Golden State does catch my eye. Also, like I said, the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, they have a really intriguing offer where uh, they could even throw in Brandon Ingram there and you could pair Dame with Zion. I think a lot of NBA fans would really like that idea uh, given that, uh, Zion Williamson has has really been through it all um, in his first couple seasons in this league uh, through the coaching madness and uh, being used different ways and pairing him alongside a franchise guy in Damian Lillard who knows how to win uh, will be incredible for his growth. So those are two teams that I look at and I think that there's a fair amount of teams, as you mentioned, that can offer enough for them. But I think at this point, Portland can, they have it, it really, the chips are on their table in which what direction do they want to go? Do they want to go the just rock bottom, rock bottom uh, rebuilding mode where they uh, get draft picks and uh, get young guys, or do they want to go even the nuggets route where you can get Jamal Murray and it's kind of like, okay, not only can we get a pick, but we also get a guy uh, that has has really been uh, the second guy uh, behind Jokic on that Nuggets roster and, and really just kind of downgrading it in a sense. But coming back from injury, he's going to have a really big, uh, a big impact on that, that Portland Trailblazers roster. So it's, it's more of a, a guess between rebuilding and sort of retooling than it is about Damian Lillard's future. I think he's gone. Um, I would just say, what direction do you go? Huh. That's an interesting way to end that. You basically think he's gone. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to take a lot. And I felt I felt like also this was the case with James Harden and ended up getting done. Um, he They're going to send him where he wants to go, but at the same time, they're going to make sure they get a package big enough. 
and I think they're also going to learn from the Rockets and how they kind of botched uh, in terms of the players they got um, back and make sure that they get what they want back. Um, and I would guess that they're probably going to ask him of three teams uh, and list them in order. I, I mean, I'm just guessing here and, and where he wants to go so that way they have some options and see what best offer they can get and then go to him and say, hey, you know, these are the offers we're getting. You tell us. Um and, you know, I think he'll also be helpful because they, they seem to have a really good relationship between ownership and front office and him. Um, this is, I mean, this is a franchise-altering move for the next 15 to 20 years for this Trailblazers team um, that they're going to be making, in my opinion. And they better make the right one. But also, I wouldn't be surprised if come game one of the NBA season, uh, in late October, mid October, late October, that you know, Dame Lillard suits up for them, and uh, he plays out the season here, and then you know they just go into free agency, or he gets traded mid season, which also wouldn't surprise me. Um, we shall see. Uh, I think it, it'll be really, really interesting um, to watch and see how this plays out. Obviously, we're you know we'll be talking about it more and more as the off season goes on. Um, if you had to pick a team right now, uh, or let's just play this game, and I guess we can kind of do this, see how our progression goes. And if you guys listen to that, each and every episode, you can see how our minds progress. Uh, yeah, um, this is tough because I want to stay true to my prediction too. Um, I, uh, I think though I'm 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 gonna go with the Bucks tonight. I think the Bucks close it out tonight. Um, I think the Deer District will be jumping Milwaukee. Uh, like inside the NBA says, the mean streets in Milwaukee, they'll be jumping. Um, and I think they pull out their first NBA title since what 1971. I think with uh, the Big O and Kareem. Um, I, I just think it'll be a, it'll I, it'll be a close game. I don't think there will be any blowouts. I think the Suns show up tonight. Um, I just think that it, there's too much. Um, obviously, I think a lot of people probably thought that going into the last game with the Suns, that there's too much in, in Phoenix in a pivotal game five. But I, I really think that um, Giannis is uh, he's a different animal right now. Um, they're out to prove that, you know, all the doubters uh, that they can win it. Giannis out to prove that, you know, he doesn't struggle in the playoffs and, you know, he's got over that. Um, and, and I don't think they can bl- they blow this Um because I think they know, even though they have the confidence to go back to and win in Phoenix as they did in Game 5, I think it'll be a different Suns team uh, with a different confidence if the Suns do win it tonight. So I'm, I'm going to, I know you're picking Suns to go in 7 because um, we won't have a podcast uh, before Game 7, but um, I'm going to go Bucks in 6 tonight, kind of flipping my prediction, and I, I think they close it out. Um, and then I think we both, well, I'm picking Giannis Finals MVP. Who's your Finals MVP? Uh, um, I think we both picked Finals MVP before the series, but to re uh, since I'm switching my pick, I'm going to go Giannis. Who who do you have go, uh, after Game Seven? Yeah, I, I'll say if the Bucks win, I'll, I'm taking Giannis as Finals MVP. So if that's decided tonight, then that's who my Finals MVP is for their side. Uh, as far as my prediction, I would say uh, Devin Booker is my Finals MVP. Actually, hmm. <laughs> let me let me flip it. Let me flip it. I'll say Chris Paul, just because I feel like backs against the wall. 
and he's going to have to provide two big games. So if he does that, I think he wins finals MVP based on the narrative. <laughs> based on the narrative, yeah. That's a big thing in uh, the media and the NBA nowadays. Um, yeah, so that's basically that wraps up our finals coverage. Um, let's get into now, and, and we'll obviously in our next episode talk, you know, about the series. The series will be over by then, pending some delay or something, but uh, on next Saturday's episode. Um, let's get into now Team USA. Um, the Olympics do start this week. Uh, their opening game is July 25th, which is Sunday. Actually, we might have an episode before then, but let's just get into it. Um, at 8 a.m. Eastern Time versus France in in, uh, to, in Japan. Um, I want to go over those some of their exhibition games. Uh, it's kind of been a little up and down, or more down than up for this uh, Team USA. Um, Bradley Beal, Kevin Love not traveling with the team uh, due to injury and COVID protocols. Uh, Keldon Johnson and JaVale McGee got added to the roster. That's a whole other conversation. Um, they lost their opening game to Nigeria in what might be one of the most biggest upsets in international basketball history. Um, them losing 90-87, I watched that game. It was kind of surreal to see that. Uh, also lost to, they also lost to Australia before winning against Argentina and Spain they won against and their uh, game against Australia, their other game against Australia got um, canceled. How worried are you about this Team USA team? I would say I'm um, on a scale of one the, to ten. Yeah, I'm probably in the middle. I'd probably say like a five um, because this is probably the most worrisome I've been for a USA team. Um, given the circumstances with, especially like this COVID stuff, Zach Levine uh, is going to be a name that we have to keep our eyes on because he's dealing with COVID protocols right now. Uh, and Team USA has not ruled him out in terms of uh, the 12-man roster because uh, they're still waiting to hear back from, you know, just the the situation. But uh, they're hoping that he, he makes the trip to, to Tokyo. Um, but yeah, they've had to replace Bradley Beal, um, which I don't really get why he's out, but Zach Levine, they're still waiting on that kind of doesn't make sense to me given they have the same thing. Uh, and then Kevin Love with the calf injury, he was uh, ruled out for Tokyo as well. So they brought in Keldon Johnson and JaVel McGee, which is pretty, two pretty interesting, um, ads. Uh, I would have never thought that JaVel McGee would be on a team USA basketball uh, team. That's kind of, that's kind of crazy to me, but uh, they also have to look through, look, there's not a lot of fives that play in the, the NBA, like traditional fives, like JaVel McGee that are born in the USA. Like you have Joel Embiid, you have Nikola Jokic. There's uh, a lot of talented fives, but they're international players. Um, that's where they're from. So, uh, and also you have to look at co uh, contracts, uh, injuries, stuff like that, that may prohibit a certain player to be added to this team. So um, I've, uh, you know, I've made fun of this on like TikTok and stuff, which again, um, I've been totally joking on there, but also uh, there is some stuff that does prohibit some of these guys from playing. So let's just keep that in mind. Um, 
So, yeah, JaVale McGee, Keldon Johnson, who actually had a great game against Spain the other day. Uh, and so, yeah, my, my fear with this team is the lack of continuity, uh, getting some of these guys like, like a Zach Levine um, back from COVID protocols, pro, COVID protocols excuse me, uh, and then the three players from the NBA Finals, what players are you going to be getting? Um, because they're going to be pretty exhausted from that, then catch a flight to Tokyo. Uh, it's a lot to take in and then getting adjusted to, to pop system. It's really a lot um, for those three guys, even though they're they're skillful and talented as ever. Uh, the type of impact they're going to be giving to a team in which international play is really based off of ball movement and your chemistry. And so uh, with a 12 man roster that might be a nine man roster, depending on uh, what happens with those three plus uh, Levine, it's it's really going to be a test to see what this USA team is made of. We've seen they've already dropped two games against Nigeria and Australia. They're opening two games uh, and then got it together against um, Argentina and then a really good Spain team that has a lot of experience together. So we'll see. Um, like I said, the chemistry is a very big thing for me. And then also lack of size. Like, like I just mentioned, JaVale McGee is going to be critical for that team. Um, because he's over seven foot. Um, and so Spain, the other day I watched that game. And so they were, they were attacking the smaller U S guards, uh, off of switches. They lost the rebounding game, I think by a lot. And so having Draymond Green, Bam Adebayo, JaVel McGee, those, that's your, that's the guys that can play your five really. And, and there's not much depth at that position and there's not much height at that position either. So. Uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how other teams attack that and how the USA team, uh, uh, I guess, counterbalances uh, that attack. Yeah, um, I, I've been going back and forth on on how I want to approach this because in one breath, I feel like this might be the 2004 Olympics where it's a disappointment and just a total debacle of uh, Team USA basketball. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Team USA comes out and it doesn't even get a medal. Um, but in the same token, I'm like, these are, you know, we have the most combined best talent in the world of, you know, all NBA players on our roster compared to other uh, rosters who have NBA players, but not every single guy in the roster, no matter if it's Keldon Johnson all the way up to uh, Kevin Durant, um, but and and they go home and end up taking the gold, and there's nothing to worry about because that's how I started off. But it, it's concerning. Um, you still have three guys, like you mentioned, Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton, who still haven't even joined the team. Um, are going to join late. Um, obviously, they're all playing in the NBA Finals. Uh, you mentioned Zach Levine. I think that. Um, as much as people make fun of the JaVale McGee uh, ad, you probably, he, for the type of basketball that you play internationally, like you said, a lot of ball movement, uh, the way FIBA play, you know, uh, it's not an NBA type game. Um, he's probably one of your best additions um, and will give you good minutes, experience, does one championships um, and knows how to just play his role and won't do too much. Um, I, I, I guess I can trust this team. I, I don't know. Um, it's it's kind of weird. 
Um, I think coaching-wise, you have Pop. I know people are kind of criticizing him now because I think they only lost two games in the past 20 years or whatever it was in Team USA basketball compared to losing two straight to open the exhibition uh, season. Um, they start off with France, and France, I should have written down who's on their team, France basketball team. Um, I can name off a couple players here. They have Rudy Gobert. Go for Rudy Gobert, who Evan I Fournier. think will give, will, will give you some problems. Evan Fournier, um, I'm trying to see if I recognize any of the other names here. Uh, Batum, I think, is playing for them. I could be wrong. Yeah, Nicholas Batum, Timothy Luau Cabron, uh, Vincent Portier, uh, who also is an NBA player. So they have a couple guys um, on there. Uh, I think, and, and I know we kind of discussed this, Jake, I think we want to get on an uh, international reporter we have on before. That way we can um, on probably maybe on our next episode uh, to discuss the international teams. Um mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, what's it? Gerson Yabuselli, also NBA player. Frank Nilakino, another NBA player. So they do have a good amount of NBA players on this roster, uh, and that's their opening game that they play against. Um, I think you'll see the JaVale McGee or Bam on Rudy Gobert. Um, obviously, offensively, I don't know how much you need to worry about him, but it's the defensive end and uh, what you can do there. So, um, yeah, I... I wouldn't be surprised. I guess I wouldn't be surprised either way. Uh, I know you you guys probably want a more definitive answer. Um, you know what? I'm I'm going to say this this team USA do, can't pull it together. I'm, I'm going to say they they don't win the gold medal medal. They either are silver, bronze, or no medal. And and I think they come back in 2024 um, like that redeem team in in 2008 where you see guys actually want to play for Team USA again. Let me stop you right there i know you were making a point but i really want to talk about that block in game four um because to me there was a minute left in the game and even though that wasn't the game it felt like you know that was the defining moment in the game and and i said um to the people i was watching with i said if the bucks end up coming back and winning this series that's the play of the series um that's the play that five ten 15, 20 years from now, you look at and, and you ask what play, uh, you know, you remember from the 2021 NBA Finals, you're going to remember that play. Um, Giannis's ability to track down that ball. And, I mean, just right there, he proved why he was able to win back-to-back defensive player of the years and what a freak of nature he is. Yeah. Uh, in terms of all-time blocks, I'd probably put that behind LeBron's, and that's where I would, um, I would probably put it top two. Just, again, I take the circumstances into consideration. So that's probably what I would say. But we've had some, like, we've had some great blocks within the past five years. That, Giannis, Bam, like, you just go down the line. And there's been, like, some really great defensive plays um, in recent modern history. But um, now for the Sun side, just to, like, touch on them real quick. I know we have maybe some more analysis to come on on both sides here. Um but, yeah, they've really struggled in terms of, like, getting their offense. Um, it's looked like a tale of two, two teams, really two different teams. You never really thought, like, if I went into this game and said the Suns have a chance to lose four straight games in a row based on 
what they've been through during these playoffs, not skipping a beat, really not rarely dropping two games in a row, uh, and to go into game six knowing that uh, you have the ability to drop four straight and lose a chance at a title, uh, it's very worrisome for a Suns team that has been comfortable throughout these playoffs. So uh, I think Chris Paul, it's he's been very, like, non-Chris Paul-like. I don't know how else to describe it because he's been a player that's a 16-year veteran, veteran, been to multiple playoff appearances, has fallen short time and time again, and some of that's due to bad luck and what have you. But uh, during these uh, couple games, especially, it's been very hard to watch him. He's been turning the ball over for a point guard that doesn't turn the ball over and leads a team that uh, moves the ball on in a very crisp way. Uh, it's definitely something that I've taken note of. And when he kind of shuts down, it's 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 hard for the Suns to win. Like it, it just it's it's that's the way I could describe it. Um, because that's your offense right there outside of Devin Booker. And and when Devin Booker is sat, they've really struggled to make up any type of offense. So. Uh, that's a recipe for for a Bucks win because they're playing well on both sides of the ball while the Suns uh, kind of have lost their identity within the past couple of games. So that's just kind of my uh, my two cents and a quick little summary of what I thought. Yeah, I mean, we both thought um, that the series and we wanted to get a podcast out, but that's besides the point before game five. Obviously, we didn't. Here we are right before game six, that the series would be tied 2-2. We both expected that, but I think we both obviously having picked the Suns in six, that the Suns would come out, win game five, and then go on the road and steal a game to to win the title. Um, to me, it just seemed like the, the Suns were complacent. They And uh, in game five, they thought that they had that game, no matter if they played well or not. They thought that since they were home, they were back at the crib, and that there was nothing stopping them from winning that game. And the Bucks, they just they came in with a mindset that, you know, it's it's another day at the office and it's business and it's a little more meaningful. And I think even going into this game six from what they're, you know, from, you know, what what you say and what you do is two different things. But even, you know, Giannis saying the plane ride back, you know, it wasn't all happy and, you know, guys celebrating. It was, we have a job to do. Let's get this done. And I think for them, you know, the Pfizer Forum will be rocking uh, the Deer District. I think they said they're going to have 65,000 outside the arena. Um, you know, that this is, it's going to be huge, um, going in. I want, I kind of want to go into the Phoenix side. Devin Booker has been doing his part the past two games, 42 points, 40 points. Um, I know game three, he struggled. Uh, Chris Paul, I think put up a big game three, if I'm not mistaken, I'm looking here. Oh, well he had an okay game three, my bad. He had 19 points. Um, yeah, game three, none of them had great games, but Devin Booker, 10 points. But since then, he scored, what, 82 points in the past two games. And Chris Ball has not been the one to show up. Um, and then for the, the Bucks, there's a big case, and, and I want to get into this in a second. Actually, I'll get into it in a second. I, I want to ask you, though, um, if the Suns do end up losing this series how much of this playoff run that Chris Paul has had is tarnished by, by his finals performance? If any at all. Uh, 
I don't I don't think there should be much flack given to Chris Paul um, with this this playoff run if, if they come up short here. Um, it's been a little bit uh, disheartening to see him uh, not be able to put up the, the games and the stats that you would want to see from him. Um, and especially like you haven't really felt that like in other series. I mean, I would say the Nuggets specifically, definitely the Clippers. You felt that run where Chris Paul would come out, uh, and again, the the Bucks have done a better job of that because early on in the series, uh, they were getting. Remember, like game one, they were getting Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez on switches, and that was easy money for either him or Devin Booker. So, but especially in like the conference semis and then the conference finals, you saw Chris Paul literally put the team on his back and in times where desperate times call for desperate desperate measures he was able to lift them uh over plug in you know either the the nuggets or the clippers so uh it's it's tough to see a player in which you want them to win a championship so bad um but also on the flip side it's like you know what milwaukee hasn't won since 1971 so it's okay for them to win as well with all the the uh, criticism. I mean, I mean, I I've even criticized them on multiple occasions. Um, so it's good to see a team like that win too. But to see Chris Paul uh, not really be himself, uh, it's really tough to see. But you do have to give credit to the Milwaukee Bucks defense because they've done a great job of. It doesn't matter who it is. I mean. Devin Booker had a bad game three. DeAndre Ayton had a bad game three, too. He was dealing with uh, foul trouble, only played 24 minutes in a uh, in a time in which um, Dario Saric is out. You really don't need that because then you need to bring in Kaminsky or play Craig at the five. So uh, that's something that they didn't need in that game. Uh, and he really dealt with foul trouble. Some of them were, were bogus calls, but also uh, you can't, not look at uh, the Milwaukee defense and say uh, they didn't do a good job. They did a great job. And so, um, I, yeah, I, I think a lot of that's credit to Milwaukee's defense. And we've seen Chris Paul struggle the, the last couple of games. Uh, and uh, Devin Booker has been on one. But when you don't have that same type of continuity within your offense, it's hard to, to – um, be a counterpunch to a Milwaukee offense that is just flowing on all levels. And uh, they have the momentum for sure right now. Yeah. I don't think um, it's a tarnish on his playoff run. Uh, I think maybe a slight, you know, like we'll look back and say, well, if you could have put up the performance that he did in the first couple rounds of the playoffs in the finals, talking about a different outcome. And that's not to say that, you know, I think the series is over, and I think the Bucks close it out tonight. Well, maybe, but um, we'll do our predictions in a second. But um, I think he needs to show up in this game six, no matter the result. Um, and this is where you you look up to your stars. And when I say stars, I mean Devin Booker, um, Chris Paul, and then to an extent DeAndre Ayton, and say, you know, show me what you got. You know, for Chris Paul. This is what you know. We traded for you for, and and um, gave up assets for for Devin Booker and DeAndre, and you know all those seasons that you know we couldn't make the playoffs and there was struggle. You know, 
it's time to show that, you know, you guys are solidified, you know, superstars or all stars or whatever you want to call them. Um, I want to get into now finals MVP discussions because there has been a big push uh, among media and, and even fans as to who, if the Bucks were to win this tonight, um, Chris Middleton has all of a sudden made a big case for his finals MVP. Um, he's now averaging 25 in the series, uh, 25, six and a half, and five assists. You could say five and a half assists as well with a steal a game um, compared to Giannis, who's averaging 32, 13, and five and a half with a steal and a block a game. Um, who are you giving the finals MVP to out of those two? Is it still Giannis, or, or do you give the edge to Middleton? Yeah, I mean, you know who I'm going with. I'm going with Giannis because he's been – and I don't really think there's too much of a case for Middleton. Yeah, I mean, if you look at – if they want to push the narrative of, oh, you know, he, he – when the tide turned, it was a big part because of Middleton. He had that one 40-point game uh, in game four. He had an 18-point game in game three. Um, and so there's, there's a 22-point drop-off there. But also – they'll look at the series and say he was the one that, that shifted it. Uh, and in reality, Giannis has been the one in which if we're really talking about a narrative, again, the injury, like no one thought he was going to be uh, in the position that he is right now playing at the level that he is. It's not like he's some sort of decoy. He's, he's out there looking like he's a hundred percent healthy. I mean, again, he's had those, Maybe I should say like 90 because he's had some those times where they pull him out early in the games. Uh, I believe in two of the games he was pulled out early. Um, and so you could really look at it as 90. But still, when he's on the court, he's giving you it his all. And that's just the type of player that he is. But you can make an argument that, he, that he's been the, the player of the playoffs. Like you really could. The consistency that he's shown. I mean, he's averaged like over 30 throughout the whole entire playoffs. If just off the top of my head. And so he's been consistent throughout every single series that he's played in. It goes farther than just the finals. I think he's delivered us a great uh, playoff performance. Uh, and then specifically in this, in this finals, I mean, what more do you want? The defensive plays, uh, the, you know, and just mentioning like in the time it mattered the most, those defensive plays. Uh, and then offensively, again, he's had, uh, He's had great moments offensively as well, as well where uh, they had one game, I think it was in game three or game four, where it looked like like the, the, the Suns couldn't handle them. I think it was the game that DeAndre Aiden went out. Uh, and so, again, they, they mastered uh, a way to beat the Phoenix Suns, in which some of it's just like normal stuff, like Drew Holiday get going, Middleton get going. But also, also schematically, uh, putting Giannis in situations where he can really thrive. Um, and so ultimately, I think Giannis has been, without a doubt, the most consistent. If you look quarter by quarter, he's been the most consistent guy throughout these, these finals for the Bucks. And with that being said, I think he gets it. Yeah, even if, I mean, Chris Middleton could have an insane game tonight. I think just, again, it goes back to media narrative. Um, Giannis will win it uh, no matter what the outcome is in terms of them winning I'm saying um, 
I guess we can go into what, well, real quick, actually, right before I, I keep adding stuff, it came out as right before we started the podcast, Scott Foster will be unofficial for tonight's game. Chris Paul is 0-12 in his career. I think playoff career, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, uh, that when Scott Foster officials, his teams lose. Um, you have any problem with this? Or is this just, you know, becoming kind of, uh, the you know, just becoming more than it is with uh, Scott Foster and Chris Paul? Well, Scott Foster has already ref one of these games, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was game. Yeah. Uh, game three or four because they lost three or four right yeah yeah oh, so so you, 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 uh, yeah you're yeah, putting you, two and two together because he lost against them so it had to be yeah. oh and it had to be one of, yeah it had to be one of the last three games but um yeah. yeah uh i don't yeah it's it's i mean given the record it's it's kind of just a something that you can't really look past but again i mean it, the NBA is going to do what they do and try to find qualified officials. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, why is the NBA uh, putting Scott Foster and starting a whole bunch of uh, controversy with, with that? If, if especially if they lose um, in a in a game in which uh, is going to be deciding in terms of the series, but. Uh, I would say that the Suns fans probably don't have anything to complain about, um, especially with Devin Booker not being called for that foul, um, which would would have put him <laughs> out of the game. So I, I don't oh think they goodness. really have much to much to really debate about here. I mean, again, it is what it is, and we 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 didn't even get into that. That that was, I mean, I think it was two fouls he probably should have got called for that would have fouled him out. Mm-hmm. One for yeah, sure. That, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that was uh, no, that that was insane. I I, I just think on, on the Scott Foster thing. I think um, listen, I think the NBA is trying to show that there's no bias in officiating, but at the same time, if I was the NBA, I probably would have sat him out of this one. Just you know, so there's no controversy because if they do end up losing this game, I don't think um, the players themselves, but I know fans will, especially Suns fans, will be a little upset. Um, but at the same time, it's you know, I as much as he has to do with the game, Scott Foster. I think uh, it's more of a coincidence than anything. And um, yeah, that, no, those are just my thoughts. Um, before we get into some other subjects here, because there is more to get into, I want to get into Team USA, uh, some coaching hires, and some rumors uh, for the offseason, you know, with players and where they might be going. Um, game six tonight, will there be, is tonight the last night of the NBA season? I'm going to say. Regardless of what I said before, I'm going to st- stay true to my prediction, and I'm going to say the Suns, um, the Suns win tonight, uh, and then Game Seven. I'm, I'm just sticking to my prediction. I think Suns will win it, um, but that that probably mean, means that the Bucks will win it tonight because everything I say is absolutely wrong. So, uh, huh? So you say, yeah, because Game Seven will be before our next podcast Thursday necessary 9 p.m on abc um tonight it is also 9 p.m uh in milwaukee what's up everybody welcome back to another edition of the around the league podcast i'm ryan and i'm jake 
we have a lot to get into today. Um, I know we missed our Saturday upload or Sunday upload or we can upload had a lot going on. Um, at least I did. Uh, but we're here. We, as this podcast gets uploaded tonight, is game six of the 2021 NBA Finals. It's a closeout game. Uh, as the Bucks have stormed back in this series, the last time we did a podcast, the Suns were up 2-0, and we were asking ourselves, do the Bucks even have enough to get this series to six? We both picked the Suns in six. That's obviously out, out of the possibilities now, but we were maybe not switching our picks to five, but thinking about Suns in five, and Suns haven't won a game since. I will, I'll just let you take the floor immediately. Um, what have the Bucks done differently in your eyes that all of a sudden they've been able not only to win, obviously, their two home games, which we kind of expected. Uh, we both predicted that they would win, but go on the road to Phoenix and, and win game five. Yeah, I think that uh, most importantly, as you mentioned, we had the two home games, which I knew that Chris Middleton would be a guy that we would have to uh, point in the direction of and say, we're going to have to expect him to come out, and he surely did. I think most importantly, though, you look at game five, and unexpectedly, I think they really did a good job of keeping um, keeping all three of their stars in check on the offensive end. Drew Holiday had a great game, I thought. Um, really his best game, arguably, of the playoffs, uh, given the circumstances and given the fact that he hadn't really been the best offensive player in these playoffs. Um, and in game five, he had 27 points. You had another 29 from Middleton and 32 from Giannis. Um, so all that being said, you had a great game from all three of your stars, and that's exactly what you need against a Phoenix team in which you have them on your heels in a pivotal game five. Uh, and so I've just been blown away by Giannis. So I do have to say that, um, the fact that he's averaging 32, 13 and almost six assists per game, uh, when, in the finals to begin this series, we thought that uh, with the hyperextended knee, we thought he was uh, not going to be able to play the first one or two games of this series. Comes out and absolutely delivers us uh, in all-time finals uh, is what it's looking like. And I think there's no question. There's a lot of people saying, oh, uh, Chris Middleton has an argument for debate uh, of getting finals MVP or maybe just getting some votes, which is fine, but... Giannis should be the finals MVP if they end up winning it. Um, he's had two really key plays, the block on Aiton, uh, in which he literally timed it perfectly uh, to go up and block it, uh, and the recovery on that was insane. And then uh, he's had a couple um, chase-down blocks, but uh, not not the chase-down blocks, but I was going to bring up uh, the alley dunk that he had. 